Hi, I'm Jason, the creator of The Grey Rooms. We wanted to welcome you to another episode of this podcast. We also wanted to take this time to thank those who financially support us and, well, make this a hell of a lot easier to do. So, without further ado, please join me in giving a heartfelt thank you to our lovely patrons. Those patrons are Kathleen Clyde, Amy Nikolai, Arthur Unk, Brooks Bigley, Elizabeth Dowell, Kelly Bear, Mary Wynn, Austin Furman, Charlotte Norup, Alexei Gladilovich, Jim Powell, Lucas Healy Hibbard, Patrick Stewart, Scott Savino, Sergio Saucedo, Victoria Wan, Justin Thulu, Maria Herrera, John Dillavu, Sarah Ruth Thomas, Scotty, J.M. Scherf, John, Stephen, and John Grills. If you would like to financially support the Grey Rooms podcast, then go to patreon.com forward slash the Grey Rooms. For as little as $2 a month, you will get all of these episodes one week early, plus additional rewards for every tier level. Now, let's get on with the episode. Thanks. Our stories may contain graphic or sensitive content that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You wake on a hard, cold floor. So cold, it burns your skin. The air smells of sulfur and ash. Your head throbs. Your mouth is dry. You have no idea how you got here. Panic sets in. Fear becomes terror. What have you done? What brought you to this place? It doesn't matter, because now you belong to the Grey Rooms.
I felt around my neck. There wasn't a cord around it. But then again, there wouldn't be. The person, Dan, whose life I was experiencing had already been dead. I was staring at my own goddamn corpse. Not, not mine, but that's what it f- felt like. Was that what it was like to be a ghost? Some kind of lost, disembodied spirit? There was a phone lying next to me. The same one from the hotel. It was off the hook, and I placed it to my ear. I didn't trust the gray rooms. I knew this was one of Bob's sick and twisted tricks. I shook my head and hung up the phone. As the phone rang, I remember freezing. It was Bob, I thought. He hadn't started talking yet. On the third ring, I decided that it didn't really matter. I picked up the handset and answered. Hello? You're in danger. You can hear my voice. Never hit the door. Out of I love you. I need you to... Hello? Who is this? Hello? I... I didn't understand. Hear... Hear my what? Which door was I supposed to pick? I stared at the phone and felt as hopeless as ever. I don't... understand. Sorry, Raymond. Probably a wrong number. You disconnected it! Who the hell is she, Bob? Did you do this just to screw with my head? No. Yeah, that's what I thought, you piece of... Wait, what? You you didn't. The voice, it's it's familiar. Who, who is she? Where Where is she, Bob? Is she trapped like me? If I told you, I would have to kill you. Funny. You're a real funny guy, Bob. You know what? Forget it. Let's let's get it over with. Wait. Where are the keys? It's your birthday today, Raymond. Okay. This is weird. Also, I don't remember my birthday. What the, what day is it? Hell I am, brother. You're gonna have to close them for me. I knew. I would regret those words as soon as I said them. My eyes snapped shut. It was the same way they made me slide into the room when I refused to choose a door. I, I threw my hands up and tried to pry them open. Tried as hard as I could to open them, but, but they wouldn't.
in the room with me now. I heard all kinds of keys and footsteps coming towards me. They stopped right behind me. I, I knew someone or something was staring at me, watching. There was a laugh. I'll never forget that laugh. I I suddenly felt my legs bending and I was forced onto my knees. Tears streamed down my cheeks. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. laughter again, and whatever was with me started to move on. I heard him play something down on the table, and then I heard his keys. I thought that this must have been the person leaving them in my room. Who, who were they? Was this Bob? Why didn't he say anything? Why couldn't I see him? What was probably a minute felt like an eternity. I was able to open my eyes and look around. I was by myself and I struggled to my feet. On the table were two keys that I heard and beside them was a birthday cake. I I cried. I, I didn't know what the hell was happening. Beautiful, yes. Yellow with chocolate fudge. Your favorite. Who was that? In the room with me. Raymond, pay attention to the cake. We went to some degree of difficulty getting this here for you. Oh, and happy birthday. I tried to let you have a balloon. But as they say, say la vie. I don't want your cake, Bob. It's not my birthday. I don't even know who I am. 
your raven. Why don't you go and blow out your candles and make a wish? What is the matter with you? I'm trying to help. I understand this is rough. If you want to make this hard, it can be arranged. There was that good cop, bad cop routine again. I couldn't figure Bob out at all. If he was getting his kicks out of all of this horrible insanity, he certainly didn't show it. Yeah, fine. What kind of wish do you want me to make, Bob? I approached the cake, and sure enough, it looked just like a yellow cake with chocolate fudge frosting. It looked delicious, actually. I really wanted to eat it, but I, I didn't. There was writing on the cake, too. Happy birthday, Raymond. XO, XO. These people were assholes. Whatever you want. Yeah, right. Choose wisely. Fine. I don't want to die anymore. Maybe just this once. See? I knew this was bullshit. You only have a birthday one day out of all the other days in a year. It's what makes you special. So it makes sense that your wish would last as long. I was thinking you might have wished to be let go. Would have been nice, even if just for a day. What? Seriously? Well, fine. I, I want that. I, I want answers. I want to know who that voice was. One wish is all you get today, Raymond. God damn it! I hate you so much, Bob! You ruined my birthday. Ready to choose a door? I didn't even get to eat any cake. You didn't even want it. Time to go. Whatever. I ain't dying today, Bob. <laughs> you can suck it. Let the record show that prisoner 929494 has chosen door 592. Hold. Labyrinth. to think about her, but it's hard not to when there's nothing else to do but wander these endless corridors. When I cast away her image from my mind and try not to think, I feel less human. 
like I'm some animal living just for the sake of survival. I tried to think of other things, but then I remember her smile and the way it made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. And then I hear the rumbling and the ground starts to shake again. And I know something out there has changed. Once upon a time, I said I'd give everything to get her back. How is it that I've lost everything, but I still don't have her? It's cold, dark, and humid here. The sound of something dripping drones on and on incessantly. It's maddening. It can't be the rain because there's no sky above. Just a black mass looming far overhead. You'd think I was in a cave, but caves don't have tall, straight stone walls like the ones here. The walls aren't floor to ceiling, but they're taller than I can climb. I know this because I tried once. I grabbed the vines and tried to scale up, but about halfway, they tore under my weight and I fell hard. I think I passed out. I can't remember now. There are days when I can't move, where I don't want to move, so I just sit in a corner and cry. The ground shakes a lot on those days. It's when I need hope the most that her absence hits me the hardest. I could weather this storm. If only I knew for sure she'd be standing on the other side. She wouldn't have left if she knew how much it hurt me, would she? She has to be out there looking. I just need to hold on. She didn't mean to pull away from me, from us. I thought I was seeing the signs she was bored with me, but that couldn't be it. She was just busy at work, just stressed. She said she loved me. She said we were fine. I should have believed her. I saw what I thought would happen because I was used to being the new toy tossed aside when the novelty wears off. I clung too tight. I suffocated her with my emotional baggage, hoping she wouldn't leave me. It's my fault she did. If I can have one chance to talk to her, she'll take me back. I know it. I need to find a phone, a computer, a goddamn post box. I don't know, something, anything to reach her. There are no phones here, no computers, no post boxes. I know that. I've wandered these empty halls long enough to know I won't find anything of use. There's just me, the walls, 
and the creature that stalks me around every corner. Have you ever wondered how lab rats feel about the scientists watching them as they run through the labyrinths for cheese? Are they monsters? Captors? Saviors? I wonder if that's what this thing is. Some kind of silent observer. I've got no way of knowing. I've never stuck around long enough to let it catch me. I'm too afraid. Way too goddamn afraid. It had been a few days in the first time I saw it. Though, deep down, I think I knew it had been here the whole time. I was trying to find the way out. Trying to get back to her. When the ground began to shake, I turned around and found a wall where the corridor had been moments before. I backed away slowly to a fork in the road. Down the left side, I caught a glimpse of something large lurking in the shadows. I cupped my hands over my mouth to keep myself from screaming and ran down the right side, not looking back. Funny thing is, I didn't even have a good look at it. My body knew what my eyes couldn't see. It knew there was danger, and it filled me with the chemicals I needed to get to safety. I hoped whatever it was would be as lost in this maze of hallways and walls as I was, and that we'd never cross paths again. But we did. I got a better look the second time I saw it. And that's when my terror cemented itself. I had gotten smarter and more cautious in how I approached navigating the corridors. I collected pebbles and tore leaves off the climbing vines that had failed me so spectacularly once before. A leaf at the opening of a path meant I had gone through already, and the tip of it indicated the direction I had come from upon entering. A pebble meant I'd walked by the path, but hadn't explored it yet. They weren't much help against the changing, shifting walls, but I hoped they'd nonetheless give me a better lay of the land. I hoped they'd help me zero in on the exit. I'd also taken to peeking around the corners to make sure the hallways were empty. It was as I was doing this that I came face to face with it. It took my body a split second to react and run. But in that split second, I was able to catch details I hadn't seen through the lens of darkness the first time. The figure's skin was black. Its face was abnormally long. Its ears stretched out from its head into thin points and its eyes were far apart, brown, and with large pupils possibly evolved to adapt to the darkness. It's funny the details you take in and the ones you miss when you're running for your life. See, more than anything, 
I remember noticing its long, delicate eyelashes in stark contrast to its furled, muscular, but hairless eyebrows. And thinking back, it's almost laughable to think of the things I missed. Like focusing on few select puzzle pieces rather than the completed image. As I ran, I felt the ground shuddering. It wasn't the trembling of new walls sprouting at the thought of her, but the shaking of strong, heavy footfalls matching my speed and stride so perfectly, you wouldn't be able to tell us apart. I couldn't bring myself to look back. And in a race for survival, it was probably better not to. The time it takes for prey to look at its predator could make the difference between fleeing and being eaten. I ran, ignoring my markers as I heard its heavy breaths and footsteps in hot pursuit. It seemed to puff more than breathe, like a horse hoofing in protest. I did my best to steal my own breathing in the hopes it relied on its long ears more than its eyes. The quieter I got, the more distant it grew, until I finally rounded a corner and glanced behind me to find an empty corridor. I was safe. For now. I saw it again. And again. And again, I caught glimpses of its eyes in the darkness. I saw its silhouette in the distance. I heard its breaths behind me. It was everywhere. True fear isn't what I imagined it would be. It's much less potent in the moment than you might think but it grows and stews in itself once the danger's gone, leaving you worse for fear. It's a flicker, a spark, a momentary twisting in your guts to trigger your survival instinct. And then it lets the instinct take over and sits on the back burner. It's comparable to the sudden pain of breaking a bone followed by the numbness designed to get you to safety. The pain is there, and the pain will come back, but your body prioritizes. The instinct for survival is stronger than fear and pain. The problem comes when you're out of danger, and the instinct goes dormant. That fear never went away. It was just under a mask. That's when you start going through the scenarios in your head. What if you'd fallen? What if you hadn't been fast enough? What if you turned left instead of right? And slowly, those thoughts turn to the future. What if I'm not fast enough next time? What if I get cornered? What if it kills me? That's when you become a nervous wreck. Fear likes to overstay its welcome and becomes more destructive the longer it does. It's not by looking over your shoulder every two seconds that you'll see the danger in front of you. 
It's not by staring sleeplessly at the wall at night that you'll be rested enough to run the next time. This is all her fault. All of this. I'm trapped here with that monster because of her. Because she was too much of a bitch to take me back. I should have seen the signs. She'd always been selfish. Never paid much attention to me. I won't take her back. Even if she comes begging. She always used to tell me to let her in. To drop my walls. A lot of good that did. I was stupid to trust her. I don't know who I hate more right now. Her for fooling me. Or me for being dumb enough to think she'd be different from the rest. I'll find a way out. If only to spite her. I'll do whatever it takes. Even if it means rubbing my hands raw by planting them on the walls and following them for miles until I reach the exit. She have to face what she did to me. I want her to feel the same pain as I do. Do you hear that? The walls are moving again. The ground won't stop shaking. All because of her. I wonder if the creature knows she's doing this. I wonder if it chased her instead of me if given the chance. I don't even know what would happen if it caught one of us. I just know to run when I see it. It likes to follow me. To mimic me. To mock me. I feel like this is a game of cat and mouse and I'm on the losing end. <sighs> a few nights ago, maybe, maybe longer, I can't tell time anymore. It came close to getting me. I'd been wandering in circles for days, unable to find a new way through. I started thinking about her and felt the tremors hopefully opening a new route. Indeed, I found a corridor without a leaf or pebble as a marker. I ran in excitedly, forgetting everything my fear had taught me. I was just so happy to see something new. And then, the creature came charging towards me at full speed. Remember how I mentioned the details you see and the ones you miss? Up until then, I hadn't noticed the thick, solid horn stretching out nearly the entire width of the corridor. I noticed its eyelashes, its freaking eyelashes, but missed the horns. How does that even happen? It was coming at me full speed ahead. 
skidded to a stop, twisting my ankle in the process. I fell, screamed in pain, and heard the monster roar victoriously. It knew I was down for the count, but the instinct to survive was stronger than the pain, and I started crawling away on my hands and knees. I willed my racing mind to think of her, but it was hard to focus. I had mental tunnel vision telling me to keep crawling, like a soldier in the trenches fleeing from the enemy. I finally saw her smile and felt a squeeze in my chest. The corridor closed behind me, blocking the monster's path. I turned onto my back and stared at the faraway ceiling, trying to catch my breath. Even though the thick concrete, I could still hear the monster's huffing breaths as though it was right next to me. I was shaking uncontrollably from the narrow escape and from the realization this thing was much bigger and stronger than I'd initially thought. This time, I'd seen its bare chest and its bulging abdominal muscles and biceps tighter than a gym rat's. I'd seen how its scuff extended far beyond its head, with thick black fur arching back like a porcupine's quills. I finally realized the face wasn't human, but rather bovine. I could probably fit my hand through its large nostrils if they weren't half blocked by a thick gold ring. It could have shredded me to pieces with a single jab of his horns. It could have crushed me with a single body slam. It could have done so many things to me, killed me in so many ways. If I hadn't thought of her right in the nick of time, she saved me. But that doesn't mean I forgive her. As soon as I could walk again, I did. And I've been walking since, limping along and bracing myself against the wall as I curse her name. How could she do this to me? She knew I'd been hurt before. Why am I trapped here when she was in the wrong? I don't deserve this. I'm tired. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of walking in circles. I'm tired of her memory haunting me. I just want to move forward. Fear is terrible, but the well of fear isn't endless. There's a point where your body decides it's done. Kind of like how animals know when their time has come. They'll find a nice place to die and let go. I've been afraid far too long. You know, for all the times I've seen and fled from it, I wonder why the monster hasn't caught me yet. It would have been easy to set up traps to use my pebbles and leaves against me. It could have cornered me on numerous occasions, but it didn't. I'm going to face it once and for all. Whatever happens, it'll be on my terms. I'm done doing nothing.
walking through the corridors now and I'm looking for him. It's cold. It's dark. It's wet. We'll see what he does. At this point, I'll take death over staying here a minute longer. There he is. Up ahead, he's limping. It's time to face him. I'm running at him. He noticed me. He's running too. I scream. And I hear him roar his battle cry. His hooves footfalls shake the ground. I feel like I should be afraid, but I'm not. It's okay. I've accepted my fate. Death might be the only way out. He's inches away now. And... Oh my God. set and performed by Warren Richardson. The intro, Raymond Story, written by Brian Black, stars me, Jason Wilson, as Raymond. You can follow me on Twitter at Audio Horment. The role of Bob is voiced by the great Graham Rowett. Feel free to follow Graham on Twitter at Graham NY for New York. Audio design and sound engineering was by me, Jason Wilson. The musical score was by J.M. Scherf. You can follow him on Twitter at J.M. Scherf Music. And of course, the voice on the phone, the young female. That was voiced by Christina Wilson. Feel free to stop on by thegrayrooms.com for updates, cast pictures, our merchandise. Also, Stop by facebook.com forward slash the gray rooms pod and, you know, join our emotional support group. I hear there's a lot of fun in there. You can follow us on Twitter at the gray rooms pod on Instagram at the gray rooms podcast. And now you can also follow us on discord at the gray rooms podcast. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to our creations And if you do enjoy what you're hearing and would like to support this show, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or any podcast directory you listen to this show on. It really helps us to get exposure and to put us in the ears of new listeners. Thank you for that. 
And if you would like to financially support the show, we would point you to patreon.com forward slash the gray rooms for as little as $2 a month. You get early access to all the episodes and a bit more. So once again, thank you for everything and for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.